Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Find Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Michael. I'm a registered dietitian and sports nutritionist, and I'm talking with athletes and experts about the key actionable things you can do to improve your health and performance. So let's jump right in. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Find Your Edge podcast. I'm here with Sarah Heckler today, registered dietitian at the Endurance Edge and the manager of the Fueling Edge. And man, we have a good topic today. It's uh, how to meal plan with the pros. So like we're going to be, Sarah and I are going to be talking about uh, how you can kind of plan meals and snacks um, to put to use like a lot of things we always talk to clients about. I mean, and to put to use this or to apply the same things you do with the meal service, uh, Sarah. Um, so Sarah will talk a little bit more about that, but then we'll also kind of get into, like I said, how to apply the things that we always talk with clients about. So there's kind of like, at least for me, I've got like three or four things that I talk with most all clients about that are like good practices to do to make sure that you're keeping your energy levels up and all of that. And so this is going to kind of be like on the back end of that, how do we apply that to the real world to actually, you know, format and plan our meals and snacks. So Sarah, what's your approach to planning meals, prepping meals? Uh, I don't know if you want to go with your personal route first or the meal service first, or are they the same? Yeah. So um, I'm sure you can attest to this. Everybody and every dietitian has a little bit of a different approach for them, which is totally fine. You, you have to find what works for you. And I'll, I'll kind of talk about personal first, but since starting the meal service, the meal service and personal have kind of like merged together in, in, in the way that I view food because it's kind of just how I view food now. Um, but my, my personal approach to meal planning and prep, I, I'll tell people like there's two different ways that I do it and it depends on my mood for the week and what I have going on. Uh, first way that I approach it is I will um, think of – I think of food in terms of nutrients, right? In terms of macronutrients. So every week I know that I need to get two to three proteins. I know that I need to get a couple different types of vegetables. Depending on my week and work, act, like work, physical work, and then exercise activity, you know, it depends on how many different starches that I need to get. So I kind of break it down in terms of food components. And then I kind of have that list in my head. It's something that's just kind of become second nature to me. So when I go to the grocery store, I can kind of pick and choose depending like what inspires me. Because some weeks I have to go to the grocery store and physically see the food to figure out what I want to eat, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and especially with today's current climate and not knowing what's going to be at the grocery store, um, I feel like you know, it's, it's, it's hard to go with a list right now because they may not have exactly what you need. Um, so I'll go in thinking, okay, grab some proteins, grab some veggies, grab some, you know, some starches. Um, and then I just kind of throw them together throughout the week. So let's say typically I'll grab, I'll get some ground Turkey to make meatballs, um, potatoes, normally my starch lately. Um, and then I'll grab, you know, it might be some leafy greens. It might be some bell peppers, um, and some other vegetables in there. I might also get some eggs for some, another protein. And then throughout the week, I can con combine different things together. So I might have turkey meatball, like a turkey meatball salad. So leafy greens with the turkey meatballs and some cut up bell peppers. Or the next day, I might have some roasted potatoes, roasted bell peppers, and the turkey meatballs. Or the next day, I might do like an egg scramble. So some scrambled eggs, some like peppers and onions, and um, maybe some potatoes as well. So kind of combining the different food components to create different things throughout the week. Now I love to cook and it's what I do for a living. So that comes very easily to me for some people that's, that seems very complicated. So other weeks I'll find different meals that I like and I'll just make a big batch of it, which most people do in meal prep and kind of eat on that throughout the week. Um, so, so like I said, there's two different ways that I kind of approach it. So do you, I guess it kind of depends on what else you have going on. Like if you have a busy week, you'll prep, but then if you've got like an easier week or a lighter week, you'll, you'll plan to cook more often. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm a unique soul in that I don't really enjoy leftovers that much. So I can eat on them for maybe like 
two days, but after that I kind of get bored and I enjoy cooking. Cooking is something that relaxes me. So I like to do it throughout the week. Um, so I at least like the, the first half of my week is pretty crazy. So I at least like to prep some things on weekends to kind of get me through. Um, Wednesday, I kind of have a, like a breath and can kind of regroup. So maybe I'll cook some more things for the second half of the week. Um, but ultimately the, the kind of bottom line here is that I prep, but I know I need to prep for like busy days, but I also allow myself some flexibility. Um, because one thing, one, one thing that kind of irks my nerves, um, is meal plans. And I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, people ask for meal plans, ask for a very specific plan, but that's only one week. And that doesn't give you any flexibility. If, if somebody comes up, now, this was be pre-COVID. If a friend asks, hey, do you want to go to dinner tonight? That meal plan doesn't allow you that flexibility, and it's only one week. Um, so I, I try to prep and prepare as much as I can, but I also enjoy the act of cooking. And with the way things change these days, I, I kind of allow myself some flexibility. Yeah, I would agree. It's funny how similar we approach things. Cause I don't know that we've ever really talked about meal planning and stuff. Um, no, it's we, just like something yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah, we approach it very similarly, I think. But it's, I mean, the meal plan thing kind of irks me too. Like that's like a pet peeve of mine because it's what I've seen is that a lot of the people that ask for meal plans are people that want a more hands-off approach from the dietitian. So like they don't need the continual visits and stuff. But what's funny is like the meal plans, like you said, it's a week. So we create a meal plan together. You can only, you know, recycle that, but a few times before you get sick of it. And then you're back seeing a dietitian to get another meal plan. And then it's a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then So, I mean, it's kind of like the opposite effect of what they intended, you know, like they wanted to like have a less hands-on approach, but then they're coming to see you all the time to get new meal plans. And so like, I mean, we hardly ever give people meal plans and instead we're teaching them the stuff that we're going to talk about today so that they can create their own meal plan essentially every single week. Yeah. If, if I do do a meal plan, I I like to tell them it's, it's a framework. Yeah. So same thing. I still approach it in terms of food components. So Monday at breakfast, you need blank amount of protein. You need blank amount of starch. Tuesday at lunch, same thing. And then they fill in those foods. And that's the way I like to think about food. Um, I think it makes it easier for people to view it. And ultimately, like, food is nutrients. Food Mm -hmm. is, like, components. It is functional. There is a reason that you eat certain things and when you eat them. Yeah. And I think for athletes, too, it's, like, I think one of the ways to relate it is like, just think of food all the time as like fueling, like you're fueling your day, you're fueling the work day, you're fueling, you know, spending time with your family, you're fueling your workouts. Um, So like when you start, like, I see it a lot with athletes, they're really good about the pre-workout nutrition, post-workout nutrition, like during their workout nutrition, but then like throughout the day, it kind of goes to crap. And I think part of it's because they view it a little bit differently. They view it like not as important. It's not as much a priority. And so I think if you can shift it and think about how like, you know, what you do three hours after your workout, six hours after your workout is affecting your recovery from that workout, but it's also affecting your preparation for the next workout. And mm-hmm. so I think when you can like kind of frame it like that, you know, you kind of approach throughout the day nutrition a little bit differently. Um, and, and I think some of it's just a priority. I mean, I think, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, maybe in the episode with Yumi and Chris, I'm not sure, but yeah like some of it's just about where people's priorities are. Like if, if cooking is a priority for you and, you know, planning meals is a priority, like then you'll find time for it. Um, Cause a lot of people are, are the excuses often, like I don't have time and yeah. like there's for sure people are busy. Like some people truly probably do not have the time, but there is downtime at some point in your week where you could probably spend 10 minutes to plan out. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. I think that's the other thing is, like I see it a lot with people, like especially some of my friends and stuff, they'll like when they approach meal planning and stuff, they think they have to plan these like elaborate meals and it has to be fancy and stuff. But I mean, like we eat burrito bowls more nights than not, like just something really simple. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things you said in there that like really resonated with me. And the first one was, and I don't know if you, if you and Chris ever had this conversation when you first started with her, but I remember when I was first starting with Chris and she, you know, she takes you under your wing and you kind of like see how she approaches clients. And I'll never forget. We were have there was this one client and she was talking about, we were talking about meal planning and the client was like, I don't have time. And Chris, Chris's response was, well, you schedule doctor's appointments, right? You schedule time to get your hair cut. You schedule all these other meetings at work. You like, you schedule all these other things, schedule time in your day to 
plan and prep. And like you said, it doesn't have to be like three hours in the kitchen to schedule 10 to 15 minutes to gather yourself and figure out what you need. Um, and then to your point about overcomplicating things, I think that is the biggest issue with meal planning. People yeah. overcomplicate it so much, which is just goes back to my point as to why I like to talk about it in terms of food components, like macronutrients. I hate to use the word macronutrients because it's gotten such like a stigma. like a following behind it when it's 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 food components to me. Um, and the term macro, you know, depending on who you talk to, might be good, might be bad, counting, yeah. not counting. Like it's there's too much behind that word right now. Um, just think of terms of food components and what you need to accomplish throughout the week and then what you need to eat to accomplish that. Yeah. Well, and that's my thing is like, no matter what your goals are or what you're doing, you need all three macronutrients. Like all three serve a very vital role in the body. And so it's not that you have to count grams of each macro. It's just that you're thinking about how to incorporate all three at every meal and like mm -hmm. how to incorporate them at snacks and stuff like that. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, and I think that's exactly it. Like going back to the scheduling piece, like you talked about, I mean, shoot, like it doesn't even have to be like a formalized plan, you know? I mean, you can think about it while on your commute, you know, just like turn off, don't turn off this podcast, obviously, but like stop your other podcasts <laughs> or pause your music for five minutes and just think about what you want to eat for the week and like have like a rough list in your head. And then when, whenever you get where you're going, just go in the notes section of your phone. I mean, that's what I do is I keep my grocery list in the notes section of my phone. Same. Yeah. And so like, even sometimes I'll put like the week, I'll put like Monday and then I'll, I'll list my dinners. Um, and like, you can do other stuff for like time savings, like two of the most convenient and best investments we ever made, like Liz and I were to get a rice cooker and to get a slow cooker. And mm -hmm. I can't really say that because she had the slow cooker already. So we didn't actually have to purchase that. But um, like, it's a super convenient thing because like, if you don't have time, it does everything for you. All you have to do is dump stuff in there and it's, it's done. Yeah. So like, how do you and Liz approach meal planning? So for those who don't know, Michael is married to a dietitian. So two yeah. dietitians, one household. So like, what's your guys' approach? Do you write out weekly menus? Do you kind of, you mentioned that it was similar to mine, but I'm, I'm curious to learn from others. Yeah. So we're, we have a slightly different approach because uh, we're both dietitians. Uh, we both enjoy cooking. So to, to your point, we both do spend like a little bit more time cooking probably than the general person. Um, but with that being said, I also understand like time saving methods and techniques and like ways, strategies. Um, so it's not like you have to cook every night, but um, what we usually do is we kind of sit down on Sundays anyways and plan out our week. Um, so a big priority for us is walking our dog. Um, it's good for us. It's good for the dog. Um, and I think personally side tangent, I think walking is one of the most underrated forms of exercise. Like it's such a good form of exercise and like everybody's like, Oh, it's not hard enough, but like go for a three mile walk in the 80 degree heat and then talk to me about it. 80, by 90, <laughs> like 95. I'm, I'm going before 8am. If it's after 8am, it's too hot. <laughs> but, um, so we sit down on like Saturdays or Sundays and kind of both look at our calendars for the coming week or our planners. And we'll plan out kind of what activities we have. So um, like we're both involved in professional organizations. And so we kind of know when we have meetings for those. And so we'll sit down and plan that out, plan out our walks, and then we'll plan out a menu for the week of kind of what we want to have. Um, that one's a little bit trickier because we do have like multiple people, like preferences coming into play, you know? Um, yeah. So I mean, I, if you're planning for just yourself, that's easy because it's just, what do I want? You know, there's no consideration over like, what does this person want to eat? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, I plan for one person, so it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I only have to be concerned with, like you said, my preferences, my, you know, allergen sensitivities. But one, another big thing that I, I often run into with a lot of clients and a lot of like parents is you know, trying to meet everybody's needs in the family. And so I know you and Liz both have a bajillion allergies between the two of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe talk about how you guys, because I, I can't speak to this, but this is definitely something that I get a lot with working with clients. And, you know, I can help give them ideas and I can talk about some tips that I use with families. But in terms of like aller people with a lot of allergies or families with a lot of allergies, how do you guys navigate that? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, to your point, that's like, or like what I said earlier, that's one of the things that makes us fairly unique. 
Um, so just for backstory for everyone, uh, my wife has celiac disease and an egg allergy, and then I have a dairy allergy. Um, Liz has also found some other foods that kind of like irritate her autoimmune conditions. So we avoid, well, she avoids those as well. Um, so some of the, like what we do is we also just like have our go-to foods. So whenever we can't think of something new or we can't think of something fun, uh, we just pretty much always fall back on, on those go-to foods. So for like us, something really convenient is burrito bowls. Um, Liz has it like on a base of sweet potato. So it's funny. I was talking with somebody else about this. Actually, we call them burrito bowls cause they started as burrito bowls. But now <laughs> like if you look at it, it's not at all a burrito bowl. I feel like it looks more like a, like, like a skillet meal. Yeah. Like it's, so Liz has sweet potato. We do zucchini and squash. We do ground Turkey and then we do fake cheese, but it's like, that That's doesn't really a resemble a burrito bowl, but it's <laughs> no. because we started doing them as like straight up burrito bowls, like rice black beans, peppers and onions, turkey, um, like guac, avocado, I mean, um, salsa, avocado. And so we just like slowly, it got changed like one component at a time as we found like things that irritated one of us. And so now it's just like, it's easier to call it a burrito bowl than like the hodgepodge bowl or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, that for us is a go-to cause it's easy. So like I have like I'll eat it with rice. And so I can cook, you know, multiple days of rice at a time. You can cook a fairly big batch of turkey pretty easily, like ground turkey. Um, you can cook pretty big batch of veggies pretty easily. So, I mean, for us, that's kind of like a go-to fallback thing when we can't figure other things out. Um, you yeah, know, that's, that'd be another tip that I would give people is like, um, like meal prepping tips, batch cooking things, and then mm -hmm. always having kind of like your go-to meals, like yeah. your burrito bowl, let's call it, you know, yeah. I have some go-to meals as well, but always having like one or two go-to meals and you can have those at least once a week so that you all, you're not constantly trying to like reinvent the wheel and think of new things all the time. Yeah, and if, exactly. If you like them and they, you know, fuel you well, enjoy them. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I would say too, is, is having like two to three go-to meals, like whether it's, across the day so like having like a go-to breakfast go-to lunch go-to dinner or having like just a couple of each that are just like you pretty much always can eat even if you're not like super jazzed about it um so that if you're in a crunch you don't have to think about it you just know what to cook um and it's like it's good to do it as something you, it's good for the meal to be made up of things that you just keep around so for mm -hmm. us like we pretty much always have rice in the cabinet um you know it's easy if we don't already have ground turkey for me to just stop by the store on the way home and get ground turkey and then cooking that's pretty quick. Um, so for us, that's, that's like our go-to fallback safe bet. Like if we don't have time, don't have energy, any of those things, like we just can throw that one together easily. Um, so for other people, it may be something different. Another one, like, again, it's thinking about the components for us is really like how we approach it. So whenever we plan any meal together, the first thing we do is figure out what our protein is going to be then our veggies, and then we build our carbon around that. Um, so yeah. like another, like, and it, if you break it down into those three components, you have like endless possibilities for incredibly simple meals. And like, yes. I think people over like complicated, like we talked about, like if you think of those three components, so like a carb starch, uh, veggies and a protein, you can like interchange things and just have endless possibilities. You can have like, we do turkey burgers, and asparagus and potatoes. Um, you can swap out and do a beef burger. You can swap out the veggie and do broccoli and it's a whole new meal, you know? Um, so just really breaking it down to those three components is, is what we do. And so um, we plan out our proteins first, uh, same thing. We'll usually get like two or three protein, different proteins for the week. And then um, we also, the other thing we'll do is we'll plan like four to five days at a time. And then we'll have one day kind of open. Usually it's Friday. We leave Friday open for like a fun meal. Um, mm -hmm. Our fun meal also tends to be like a go-to meal, like a simple meal that we always do. Like almost every Friday night is salmon <laughs> salads. Like we just, I mean, I don't know. It's not really like anything special or crazy, but it's just something we enjoy. And it's something a little bit different from what we do the rest of the time. Yeah. But you for, mentioning like breaking it down into components is one of like the 
easiest things that I tell families to use and I kind of tell them to make it into a game for everybody. So taking a piece of paper, writing three different columns on it, you know, column one protein, like you said, always picking your protein first, column two fruits and vegetables, column three, I call everything else. So it can be carbs, starches, sauces, garnishes, whatever else you want to add in there. And then, you know, this works for um, individuals and families as well. You pick one from each column, right? Ideally, you want more than one from the fruits and vegetables column, and you're most likely going to have more than one from the everything column. But in terms of families, you know, going around the table and everybody has a turn to pick. So, you know, everybody goes through and picks one from each column and makes a meal for the week. So it takes the pressure off of the person who normally has to decide everything. Um, Research shows, you know, when kids are involved in the process of cooking, preparing, choosing, they're more likely to eat it. Um, And it, it brings you back down to looking in terms of food components and less complicated trying to find these fancy recipes that you have to buy a million things for that you probably never end up using again. Yeah. And I I think that's a really good point too, because that's one of the places where I've gotten a lot of friction from, from people is especially clients with families and like pretty young kids. Mm Because you think of like young kids and they want pizza or they want mac and cheese. I mean, I think of me as a kid, it's like, I was not going to touch anything healthy. Like I only wanted mac and cheese, hot dogs, like uh, pizza, chicken nuggets. Like I was not touching healthy foods when I was a kid. And so, I was a fish sticks type of gal. Yeah, <laughs> which, God, I would not touch a fish stick with a 10-foot pole now. But, um, <laughs> but like, that's one of the things is, like, I've had a lot of friction over that because people say, okay, like, I can plan these, like, nice meals for me, but, like, my kids don't want a turkey burger or my kids don't want a piece of salmon. Um, and so some of it's, you know, how can you adapt those meals that your kids want to kind of meet your goals as well? And that's, I think some of it's, that's going to dictate how you plan things out as well as what your goals are. So like if your goals are weight loss, it's going to look very different than if you're, uh, you know, an endurance athlete training for an Ironman trying, trying to fuel the bulk of your training, you know, so I mean, those are going to be different. But I think it's more about setting the expectation because, you know, if your young kids are so used to everybody having a different meal, you know, that's what they're used to. Um, but if you set the expectation, like, look, we're all going to do this together. The, this is what you can choose from, but you get to choose, yeah. right? So you're, you're giving them the option, but it's still limited. Like Chris's kids, what, her kids are six and eight or they're under 10, right? Both of yeah. them. And when they, like, I've heard her and Jay, which is Chris's husband, I've heard them talking about meals and what they want what the kids want to eat for dinner. And you know, they'll say, hey, what do you want for dinner? And the kids will say, cheesy beans. And Chris is like, okay, well, what's your rainbow color food? You know, like you have to choose one of the rainbow colors, which is fruits and vegetables. And they'll be like, oh, peppers. So they still have, you know, what's your protein? Beans. Like Chris kind of works through that with them, but they've been doing that for so long. So just trying to help educate your kids and set the expectation like, these are the things you can choose from. We're going to have beans or turkey. What would you like? Yeah. What color? What color do you want to put on your plate? For Giving sure. them options, but they ultimately are choosing. Yeah, for sure. And like as the parent, like making sure, like kind of checking off on like what the family plans to make sure that you've got all three of those components, which is, you know, protein, carbs, and fat. Um, yeah. And-, and to your point of like goals, weight loss versus endurance training, you can still have the same components. It's more in the quantity of each. Yeah, exactly. And like, you're going to still need all three components regardless of what you're doing. Like you're never going to mix carbs and fats, you know, like, or protein and carb. you know, like there's just always going to have to be all three. Um, and like, like you said, getting, like having the kids help plan it, even help prepare it has like gives them buy-in and it increases the chances that they're going to want it. And like, that's not to say that you can't make other things healthy, you know, I mean, um, like if your kids want mac and cheese, you can make mac and cheese and then make yourself like a turkey burger and have some veggies, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so like, just like kind of adding things on, um, you know, also if your kids are just eating mac and cheese, not a bad idea for them to have some veggies or a protein in there as well. Um, so again, just kind of like saying it's not, Hey, do you want a veggie? It's which veggie do you want? 
exactly. It's you setting the expectation. Um, I had a thought and it completely escaped my mind. I mean, it's time for more caffeine. Yeah, Um, or water, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably water. Um, Setting the expectation. And, I mean, kids will surprise you. Like, some of the youth athletes that we have in our meal service and some of the meals that they order and actually enjoy would blow your mind. Like, things that I don't particularly like, like our our kale dishes like that are some of their absolute favorites. Um, so monkey see monkey do, you know, if, if you're trying different foods and, and, you know, exploring vegetables and having them on your plate, kids will do the same and yeah. nobody's going to like everything. I mean, I'm absolutely hate kale, but it, it's more of trying and trying to find the color or the rainbow food, you know, that you're willing to put on your plate. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, I mean, I think that's our, our big thing is it's not like you have to eat everything or we're not going to like tell you, you have to eat foods you don't like. It's about finding the foods you do like. And like being willing to try other things, new things, new ways of preparing things to find foods that you do like. I mean, there's plenty of veggies that like I don't particularly enjoy. And so we don't ever make them. It doesn't make me unhealthy or anything. It's just that I found different veggies instead. And I don't use that as an excuse not to eat any veggies. Like if green beans are the only veggie you like, start with green beans and then occasionally try something new um, and try and broaden your horizons. But to your point with like kids surprising you too, I mean, we have some friends who have like a a pretty young son. He's maybe four, but like he knows more veggies than I know. Like he'll name veggies (laughs) that I've never heard of and like will eat more, he's a much more adventurous eater than like even I am now. Um, So, I mean, it's just because they've always like exposed him to new foods. And so like, he just thinks that's the norm. Like he doesn't know that like other, other people don't eat all these veggies that I've never heard of. Yeah. (laughs) So I, a a thought just popped into my head and I'm totally going to like take over and throw it at you. And I'm curious to get your, (laughs) (laughs) your opinion and have a discussion about it because it's something that I've seen more lately. And you mentioned this the other day, you know, when talking about like, so we've talked about meal planning and prep, but we haven't really talked about grocery shopping. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of in our industry will say shop the perimeter, right? Even Mm -hmm. I, I say it myself too. But I saw something the other day, and I want to say it was coming from, and I don't want to call anybody out, but I want to say it was coming from like CPSCA or one of those like organizations or something on Instagram, you know, how Instagram Mm -hmm. goes. And they, the idea was that the shopping the perimeter was like an outdated idea. And I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts before I give mine on, you know, how do you approach a grocery store? Is it shopping the perimeter? Is that now somehow bad like yeah kind of what what are your thoughts there i mean so the shopping the perimeter idea is like if you think of the layout of any most any grocery store so like i'm picturing like four different grocery stores right now that i go to and all of them are set up or yeah so good variety well not really we usually so we usually shop at two different places um we kind of split our groceries between those two we get most of our groceries one place and then we get like because of all of our food allergies and stuff we get our specialty items at another store yeah and then like sometimes if I'm like, I work near other grocery stores or our yeah, like office is near. So I'll like pop in and get like a couple of things. Um, so like I, but like, you know, you've throughout your life been through different grocery stores, even if it's not your normal one, like if you travel or something. And so like, I'm picturing yes. like all these grocery stores and they're all laid out fairly similarly. And if you like mm-hmm. stop and like picture the layout in your head, you've usually got the produce in like the front or along a side, you've got the meat section along a side or back and then you've got mm-hmm. like the freezer refrigerated dairy along a side or the back so if you think about that that's like the perimeter of the store and usually the aisles up the middle are going to be like your processed foods um you know anything like that and so like the i think the general idea behind it is like it's not that you shouldn't go down an aisle but like the general idea that the bulk of your your shopping should come from the perimeter i think is like not a bad concept um but i will say like I think the industry, the food industry has changed a lot and there are like healthier convenience items. And if you're really busy and you're, you know, an athlete with really high like energy needs and like, you're going to have to eat convenience foods to meet some of your needs potentially. I don't think it's like, the point is not to like shame you and make you feel bad for going down an aisle at the grocery store. I think the general concept is focusing on fruits and veggies and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have to agree with you there. I think, One thing that I've been very careful about is 
choosing my words wisely in sessions because that is one thing I have learned being a new dietitian, newish, I guess, what, yeah. now three, four years? Yeah. Um, is that you never know how somebody's going to take what you say. And there's been sessions where I thought I said something and the next time the person comes back with a totally different concept. So I've been very careful about choosing my words, which brings me back to the point of using shopping the perimeter. I think what I mean when I say it is choosing whole foods yeah. instead of shopping the perimeter. Because think about it, like there's canned beans that are not canned in sodium, you know, don't have yeah. extra salt in the perimeter, like inside, outside of the perimeter, yeah. like in the inside of the store that are perfectly fine. Yeah. There's frozen vegetables without sauces, without anything added to them yeah. that are perfectly fine. So I think I'm trying to use more the phrase choosing whole foods. Yeah. Which is basically what you're saying with shopping the perimeter. Yeah. Right? I you're think, trying to eliminate that processed stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the point of the of the phrase like shop the perimeter is like emphasize the whole foods, like the bulk of your your cooking, shopping, eating should be whole foods. But I think like, like you said, people take that the wrong way and think that like they shouldn't shop the aisle or they feel bad if they shop long aisles and get processed foods. But to your point, like, again, the idea is to emphasize whole foods, um, to yeah. not getting, not getting hung up on like where you get them from. Like if you want canned fruit, that's canned in water or whatever, like cool. Um, if canned yeah. veggies are your jam, cool. Um, I mean, I eat peanut butter guess what? That's not on the perimeter of the store. Coffee is also yeah. not on the perimeter of the store. <laughs> Even um, important things in my diet, peanut yeah. butter and coffee. Oil. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> your point about you, like, especially youth athletes or athletes doing like very high mileage. I say youth athletes, cause that's more of what I see and more of what I'm familiar with. But I mean, heck, collegiate level athletes, like sometimes you just need to eat a big bowl of cereal or, you know, a couple of bagels or something just to get enough carbs and energy in. Yeah. So those aisles can come in handy, but for the general population, like we're saying, whole foods should make up probably like 70 to 80% of your cart. And then those aisles or, yeah. you know, some of that are, other stuff. Are the filler. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess we're kind of going off on a tangent and I'm, but I want to get your thoughts on it. What is your thought on being like on a hundred percent with like your diet and like eating really well and everything? Or like, do you believe in like cheat days? Like, do you eat super good six days of the week and then one day you just eat like shit or like, how do you approach that? Like, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah. So a lot of times, and you might be able to relate to this, my philosophy with clients is how I live my life because that's what I believe. So a lot of times what I recommend to them is what I do myself and I, you know, would vice versa. Um, my approach, I always, I've always said that I'm a realistic dietitian um, and that, you know, take it what you want, but that's what I call myself. So in my eyes, I don't think it's realistic to commit to yourself that you're going to be on 100%. I don't think it's realistic to recommend to clients to be on 100%, right? We only get one life. We want to be able to enjoy it and have the flexibility to enjoy it in moments when we want to enjoy. What I try to focus on is, you know, for the majority of our time, it's like the 80-20 rule. The majority of our time, can we do what we're supposed to be doing and then have those moments where we allow ourselves to enjoy? One example that I always use is, um, you know, if you're celebrating a birthday, have a piece of cake. Don't have the whole damn cake. Yeah. Right? Don't go in for five slices, but enjoy that piece of cake and don't think it's going to ruin your whole week. Yeah. Um, so but, I mean, I that's think that kind of a... The other piece of that, the other piece of that is that if you, if you haven't had a uh, cake in six months, then you're much more likely to eat the whole cake. Yeah. I mean, with, with deprivation, like, you know, I'm sure you've seen that cycle of when you deprive yourself and then you do go for the cake, you're more likely to eat the whole cake. Or you, if you deprive yourself from having a cookie for five months and then you finally break down and have a cookie, you're probably going to eat the whole damn bag. Yeah. So allow yourself to have a cookie every once in a while. Yeah. And that's my thing too. Is like that's my philosophy and the way I approach it. It's like I'd rather be like good quote, air quotes, 80% of the time than like do like, like 100% on – 
80 percent of it like yeah and have like slip-ups and stuff because that's like one of the biggest things I hear from other people is like they'll eat super strict like really healthy for like two days and then they have a full breakdown and eat like total crap for a day and then they go and it's just like the cycle that they get in and they're like oh yeah, I can they only like eat go well. overboard yeah they're like I can only eat well for two days and I'm like well you telling yourself that you can only eat well for two days doesn't help the second piece is yeah. not allowing yourself to have anything does not help so like that's one of the things that we do too and in, in planning our weeks is planning in like excuse me we call them treats um so just yeah. planning in like fun foods or desserts like so maybe one or two weekends a month we'll have pancakes for like brunch after we work out on like a Saturday or Sunday um and then we'll have like desserts at night so for us it's like buying fancy or dark chocolate um something like that or like one night every other week we'll have like ice cream or something and so like if we just like plan on those know we're going to get to have treats instead of telling us telling ourselves we can't eat treats then we just like do better like then when you have to make the decision between eating an entire family size bag of chips at lunch, it's very easy to choose not to because you know you're going to get to have ice cream tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like I work with clients to plan it into their like kind of into their plan, so to speak. So like you mentioned, you and Liz kind of give yourself one meal a week as a fun meal. I'll tell clients, you know, give yourself one meal to not stress so much about what's on your plate. Don't go and order like a supersized meal at McDonald's, but give yourself one meal where you're not so stressed about it. Yeah. And then also I'll tell clients to like, look at your week. So I, I had a client who was very involved in networking. Networking basically was her job. So pre-COVID, she was going to events four out of the five nights a week. And at these events, there's different food, there's drinks. You know, so we, and her, one of her goals was weight loss, which I think it also depends on what your goal is. We work together to decide, okay, let's look at your week. How many events do you have this week? Okay. This week you have four events. Which events do you really want to allow yourself to treat yourself? And which events do you think you can hold back from? Mm -hmm. So also looking in terms of planning, you know, your schedule and allowing yourself those moments. I had another client today who her entire family, they all have birthdays in July. So she was struggling with her weight loss journey because she was enjoying more alcoholic beverages, having more cake. And, you know, we had to work through, you have to pick and choose those moments. Yeah. You know, you have a birthday party this weekend. Maybe don't have dessert all week. Um, so it, it's, it's fitting it in, but within that 20% range, right? Within that yeah. 80, 20 range but planning it out and also giving yourself a little bit of flexibility for it. For sure. And I think, I think one of the big things that you brought up that I really want to emphasize is that it depends on your goals. It's like, if you're a bodybuilder cutting for a competition, like you're probably not going to be able to eat dessert multiple nights a week or, you know, that's, maybe that's short term. That's for sure. not like, but like, I mean, that's where your goals come in. It's like, if that's your goal, then like you have to reprioritize. But I think if you look at life as a whole, like, we have a long time on this earth, but then like at the same time, when you think about it, it's like really not that long. So you're going to spend the whole time trying to avoid cake for the rest of your life. Like that's unrealistic. There's always going to be the temptation to have treats, cake, ice cream, cookies. So it's not realistic to think that you can avoid it for the rest of your life. Like, are you really never going to go to a birthday party ever again? Probably not. And I think that's the other thing too, is where people get kind of sidetracked is like they have this picture of what they think their goal is. But then when you like get to talking about it and like the sacrifices it takes to actually get to that goal, that's not really their goal. And that's like, to the example you gave, it's like, is it more important for you to stick to the like nutrition plan that was laid out? Or is it more important for you to live in the moment and be with your family and like enjoy the treats, have the drinks, whatever it is. And that's like a decision each person has to make individually. And there's also a different tipping point for everybody. So it's like, if you have like the July example where it's just like a ton of events, maybe for, for one person, it's going to be, I'm going to go to all these events. I'm going to go all out and I'm not going to worry about it. That's a different tipping point. But for one person, it may be, I'm going to go all out at one of these events and the rest, I'm just going to have like one drink or a piece of cake, you know, something like that. And so everybody has a different decision point where mm -hmm. like what their fit is with, with how, what moderation looks different for everybody is what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah, I think it's all about compromise too. Like I yeah. always like to talk about compromise. One of the examples 
examples I like to give, which isn't always relevant for our clientele, but I'll say, okay, we're going to a fast food restaurant. You can either have the fried chicken or the French fries. One day you might want the fried chicken, so maybe you get the fruit or a side salad. One day you might really want the French fries, so you get the grilled chicken. Yeah. So if you can compromise in those little moments, instead of, I try to avoid going all in and going overboard, going to the deep end. Mm-hmm. I try to more like, let's stay in like the five foot range. Yeah. Um, like how can we compromise a little bit to kind of achieve both goals, but not necessarily going all in towards one or the other. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, especially for people who have a lot of events. Like if you, if your family doesn't make a big stink out of birthdays or like you guys don't make a big stink out of like Mother's Day, Father's Day, like all these other holidays, but like Thanksgiving is your holiday, then like it's one day a year. You're not going to derail progress that much in one day. Like you can only eat like but so much food. But I think it's it's different for people who have like lots of things. Like I had a client very similar that like traveled a lot for work and had like a lot of like dinner business meetings. And so that mm-hmm. was like a similar issue is like how do we navigate that when you've got three steak dinners, four steak dinners in a night where the expectation is that you're going to drink a lot and eat a massive steak and stuff. Um, so it's different when you start to get into that because then it becomes, how can we practice moderation at each piece because it's occurring so frequently. Whereas like, again, if you have one day a year, two days a year, why are we creating that much stress around it? Because like you can only do so much. Yeah. And I I know we've kind of gotten off on a tangent here, (laughs) Um, but I, I promise you meal planning and prep does not have to be as difficult and challenging as it seems. Yeah. And this is where even maybe just sitting down with a diet once to kind of help gather yourself and figure a strategy for you, because there are different personalities out there. Mm-hmm. There are different ways people like comprehend information. So you, you have to find what works for you. So sitting down with a dietitian can help you at least create a strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is our, our meal service, like we do all of this for you. I spend hours every week planning the meals to make sure we have the appropriate protein. We do pick the vegetables that have been shown to be beneficial for health and performance. So we do all the behind the scenes work. You don't have to worry about the meal planning, what you're going to have each night. You simply just have to order it. And then we also take, you know, we portion it for you. So we take that piece out of it. You literally are heating it up and eating it. So there are different ways that you can achieve your goals within meal planning. And there's different levels of which you can be involved, right? You can do it all. You can find foods that kind of make it a little bit easier to do. You can find things like Blue Apron Hello Fresh, where it's, you know, a little bit less on you. And then you can do things like us where there's really nothing on you and we're kind of doing it all for you. Yeah. And one of the cool things about our meal service too, that I've like, I've done this with a few clients is you can kind of scale like your own personal, like use of the meal service to those needs. So like for some people, they'll buy like all their meals basically, or all their lunches and dinners and they cook breakfast themselves kind of thing. Um, And then like one of the things I like, some people have worked on is they start with doing all their lunches and dinners here. And then it, they try to taper down to slowly be just their dinners and they take on the lunches. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think like you can use it in that way too. But I think that's the really cool thing about it is you can use the meal service as much or as little as you want. And um, I, I think one of the big things is like, you know, the alternative is for like a lot of people, like you're going to go eat out and like, you're not going to get something that a tastes as good or B is as good for you by eating out most places. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no minimums, there's no maximum. So like you said, you can make it work for you. We have people who order lunch and dinner every day throughout the week. We have people who, you know, maybe Tuesdays and Wednesday nights are their busiest. So they only get two meals to fill those needs. Um, so really, you know, can find what works for you. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's also like the, the snacks, uh, like the bites and stuff. Like for me, that's, I use those most weeks because they're a convenient like grab and go snack. So it's like one less thing I have to think about during the week. Like I only have to plan my lunches and dinners if I purchase the bites as snacks. Yeah. Um, so it's, again, it's about finding what works for, for your lifestyle. Um, but I mean, to kind of like wrap all of that up and summarize it, um, like the way I'll, so I'll go and summarize mine and then I'll let you go and yeah, give, give your summary give people, too. Give people your top, three tips for meal planning and prep and then I'll give mine. 
All right, I'm gonna go about it a little bit longer way and then you'll get the three tips. Okay. So, <laughs> so just to go back. So on a monthly basis, I check in with myself about my goals. So what, what am I trying to achieve? Am I riding my bike more and need to fuel that? Am I trying to put on more muscle? Whatever it is, I check in with myself about my goals on like about a monthly basis to kind of, that helps dictate how I'm structuring all my meal planning and snack planning. And then on a weekly basis, I'm checking with myself about all those planned activities like we talked about and how I think I'll need to fuel that. And then on a daily basis, I'm checking in with myself about how much activity I've actually done and then how hungry am I? So like I've got, like we sit down, like I said, on like Sundays and plan out our meals for the week. I kind of have a general idea of my snacks, lunches, all that stuff. But then like within each day, like even if I've eaten all the food I had planned, if I'm still hungry, like I'm not going to just like go hungry. Like I'm going to eat something else. Um, so it depends kind of on how I'm feeling that day and how much activity I've done. Or if I have a day that's out of the norm and like we walked extra long with the dog and I rode my bike and I've been like running around all day, then, you know, I'm going to eat a little bit more that day. So end result of all of that is that I do view my meal in terms of components, like we talked about. So carbs, fat, protein, and then I adjust those kind of accordingly. But my big three things that I think to kind of summarize all of that is planning to eat every three to four hours. That's like one of the big ones is I think a lot of people skip snacks or skip meals and they don't eat frequently enough throughout the day. So then they get too hungry. They make poor choices or overeat. Um, and it's just, I mean, not good for blood sugar control to like go really long periods without food. Um, the other thing I do is always pairing my carbs with either a protein or a fat at snacks and then making sure I have all three macronutrients at a meal. And I think that's like, just as a dietitian, like one of the biggest things I talk to people about are those two things actually eating consistently throughout the day and then pairing foods together. So your snack should not be an apple or a banana. Obviously there's exceptions. Like if it's a, like right before a workout, you know, yeah. but like in general throughout the day, you shouldn't have just an apple as a snack. We want to pair it with something like a nut butter or a protein shake or something. Um, so that's like one of the big ones that a lot of people I think are not getting. Like a lot of people are, they make, they're trying to make healthier decisions. They grab an apple or banana as a snack and they're like, Ooh, I'm doing good. But then they're hungry 45 seconds later. Yeah. So. <laughs> 45 seconds. <laughs> yes. 46, but you know, um, and I think the other thing, so like kind of my last point that I want to hit on is that it, this is something that takes a lot of thought at first, but it does get easier and easier and easier the more you do it. So like it does take a lot of thought, a lot of planning at first, but it does become second nature. And it's just like something you kind of seamlessly do without thinking about it. I like that. I would say my top three tips, I'm going to take a bit of a different approach than you did. My top three tips would be number one, Give yourself five to 10 minutes to think about meal planning and preparation. Uh, to your point, this might seem like a lot of effort, but the more you do it, the more it will become second nature. So people often ask me, well, well how do I get started? Just take five to 10 minutes and think about it. And that might just be sitting in silence and thinking. That might be writing out a plan, making your grocery list on your phone, sitting down with your family and choosing meals. So step one, take five to 10 minutes, think about it. Step two would be think in terms of food components. Like, we, like we've talked about this entire episode. Think in terms of protein, in terms of fruits and vegetables, in terms of starches, and less in terms of, oh, I found this really awesome recipe on Pinterest, or I don't know which recipe to make. Um, and then I think tip number three would be to kind of have fun. We've taken a lot of fun and enjoyment out of eating because of oh, we're gaining too much weight or there's so much bad food. What's good for me? What can I eat? What can I not eat? And we've lost enjoyment. Part of, I mean, food is a part of everything we do. Part of the reason why it's such a big part of us is the social aspect, the enjoyment. So really take time to enjoy and play with your food, like yeah. play with different flavors, try different things. Um, if there's a meal that you guys really, really love to eat, how can you improve it a little bit? So those would be my top three things to meal planning and prep. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I really liked what you kind of hit on with um, like implementing this 
is doing it little by little. Um, Mm -hmm. like I think people have the idea that like they have to start this and it has to be like all on, like they're planning all their meals. They're doing all these things perfectly. But like, even if you take just baby steps and it's like one step a week, one step a month, you're still making progress in the right direction. So maybe this week it's creating a grocery list. Even if you haven't like put to use anything else we've talked about, if you just make a grocery list this week and then next week you plan out your meals and like have all three components at each meal. And then the week after that, it's focusing on the whole foods. And then the week after, you know, so it's just like, it doesn't have to all be at once. Like this can be like Agreed. a slow process and like any progress is progress. It doesn't have I would to say, be huge progress. Yeah, I would agree. And I would even go to say, don't do it all at once. Cause yeah. you will fail. Yeah, because it's gonna be it's gonna be so much work and it's gonna be so time consuming that's gonna be and so overwhelming. Yeah, it's just so many barriers, and so it's easier if you do it little by little, and it just like slowly becomes habit. Yeah. So if you get any takeaway from this, is pick one thing to focus on, one small thing, start there, and then let it grow. Yeah, I like it. What a good way to end. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on, Sarah. This was uh, this was really good. Um, I actually, you know it was good for me to bounce ideas off of you and Same. kind of grab some perspective. Same. Appreciate right. you. Cool. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, if you're listening, like and subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews. That helps us out a lot. Um, you can check us out at theenduranceedge.com. And uh, yeah, feel free to let us know if you have any questions or any topics that you want us to talk about. Let me know. Thanks guys.